Hey guys, it's the Princess of Pro Wrestling, SoCal Val, and you are listening to the wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle, The Whole Reffin' Show. And now, the wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle, The Whole Reffin' Show. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, hashtag dear listeners, and welcome to yet another fun-filled, informative installment of the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle, the whole reference show. My name is Perry Smith. And my name is Darren Beasley. Darren Beasley, we've got some news, man. Speaking of news, we got some someone here on the show making some moves. It's a thing. It's a real thing. They're, uh... Are we going to get into it right now? We get into the night moves? No, nah, hold on there, Bob Seeger. We'll, we'll get to it. Uh, yeah, actually, one of our headlines... Well, I mean, I'm working, I'm working on night moves. Well, of course. Well, there you go. Uh, one of our headlines involves our very own Darren Beasley, my good friend and co-host. Not in that order. Uh, what, 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 what? <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about what uh, Darren's got going on. It is wrestling-related, folks, believe it or not. Uh, also, we want to talk about uh, a little update on AEW's deal with TNT. Uh, we're going to talk about WWE and what the heck's going on over there as far as the Raw and SmackDown brands and this wild card deal. It's crazy. It's the Wild West. Is it, is it too early for me to say what the heck is going on over there? <laughs> no, no, no. Not yet. Not yet. There. Okay. Uh, and also, we have to talk about Lars Sullivan. Uh, this story uh, wasn't really a story... It wasn't really newsworthy until it became very newsworthy uh, when the more and more uh, stuff came out about Lars Sullivan and, and things he has said in the past, and it's the internet. You don't put stuff like that on the internet because people will find it eventually. So we're going to talk about what's going on with Lars Sullivan. And we're going to talk all about Fest Wrestling's very latest, Hardcore Hunt 2, Darren uh, was on hand in Hogtown, Gainesville, Florida, at 8 seconds, and he's going to tell us all about it. He's going to give us the hot scoop. So hold out your hands, folks, for the hot scoop. I'm going to I'm gonna give it to you. X going to give it to you because I was there. <laughs> I was live, and uh, I was part of the hunt. It was hardcore, and it was two. <laughs> <laughs> nice, very it was, nice. It was Gainesville, Florida, and it was my favorite independent wrestling organization, it's just the best wrestling around, and boy, that was a long gap since the last show. And there's going to be another long gap. The, the, there's no, there is no, I'm going to go ahead and let the cat out of the bag. There is no Bring Your Mom this year. The next fest show is Christmas in July. It's just now the middle of May. Yeah. So it's going to, it's, it's going to, it's going to be a while. Well, X, X may give it to you, but Fest, not going to give it to you for a little while. Uh, that's unfortunate. But we are happily going to talk about the Hardcore Hunt, too, later on in the show, because we can't talk about that, Darren, not until we talk about those headlines. Darren Beasley, hashtag dear listeners. Uh, you may know from this show, I assume you would know him from this show, uh, maybe you know him in real life, I don't know. Uh, so you might know Darren, Darren's honeyed voice and his honeyed words from the whole Ref and Show, the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. But, 
Uh, this Monday, you're going to know him from another wrestling podcast uh, with a former ECW World Heavyweight Champion, Darren Beasley. What are you up to these days? What am I up to? Well, as of um, yeah, our dear hashtag, dear listeners will know that on this Monday, if they listen to the Raven Effect podcast, I will be on the Raven Effect podcast, which is kind of weird actually coming out of my mouth at this very moment. It, I, I somehow normalized it in uh, a very, very rapid fashion. But I think it's because I wasn't really talking to anybody about it. Now I'm talking to you about it, and saying it out loud makes it real weird. But uh, <laughs> definitely cool. Um, so, yeah, the, for those of uh, uh, you listening who maybe are not uh, current on the Raven Effect podcast, the uh, this is, of course, wrestling superstar Raven, uh, longtime ECW, WCW, WWE uh, Impact Wrestling superstar, a multi-time world champion. Uh, I, I believe he, he once was the only person who had a figure, uh, like an action figure made in WCW, ECW, WWE, and TNA. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, and if he was ever that, I guess he would only ever now be that. Um, so he's the only one ever. That's a nice little uh, feather in his cap. But Raven was a, a tremendously... Um, influential and sort of avant-garde figure character in wrestling for many years. Well, he's had a podcast now for a couple of years over on the Jericho Network. And uh, I don't pretend to know the business dealings of it, but uh, he shifted from uh, the, this being the Jericho Network from Podcast One to Westwood One uh, and then became an independent show and has now been picked up by MLW Network. Uh, now, of course, MLW, Major League Wrestling, owned and operated by Court Bauer and Friends, has a very successful television show on BN Sports. And uh, our good friend, dear friend of the show, Rich Bocchini, has been calling uh, all the action for MLW. He has shared the booth with people like Tony Schiavone and currently Jim Cornette. Well, Rich came uh, to, to you and I uh, and said he was looking for uh, a co-host for the Raven effect, uh, because he was now working with Raven in that capacity and was thinking about, um, maybe just adding something to the, to the show. And, and we really didn't know any details about it. And, uh, <laughs> being the sort of fly by the seat of our pants kind of guys that we are, uh, I said yes, simply because I grew up with Raven being my favorite wrestler throughout my teen years and, and early twenties. And, uh, why would I, not say yes. And uh, so for what it's worth, I, I sat down to record uh, just the other night, the podcast. I went on with Raven and Rich Bokini to record the most recent episode of The Raven Effect. Uh, we did the, uh, the uh, I guess, uh, behind-the-scenes discussions for his Patreon listeners. And then we went uh, live on the air for uh, the, the, the body of the regular show. Now, of course, uh, it will drop on... Monday, which will be the 13th of May, 2019. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where it goes from here. Um, I would, I would implore our hashtag dear listeners to please, if you're not already listening to the Raven effect, go check it out and, uh, do what you can. Let's tweet some support 
toward the Raven effect for your friend, for your old buddy, <laughs> the incredible badass that is Darren Beasley. Um, he's, he will always call the whole ref and show home, but you know what? Uh, just like anybody, I like a summer home. I mean, I, I want a second home. I, I don't know, Darren. I mean, congratulations and all that, and that, that's great, and I hope that you're on Raven's show for a very long time, but it seems to me, and I'm going to call you out on this, uh, our, oh. fans, our fans know your very own thoughts on hashtag double dipping, and it seems like you're double dipping here on the, uh, the airwaves uh, with the two podcasts. Uh, hey, when, hey, it, when it comes hey. to double dipping... And I, I of course, I, of course, speaking of whatever, whatever does a Royal Rumble, and people wrestle a regular match and also appear in the Royal Rumble. This seems kind of like that. That's all I'm gonna it's say. It's not any. It's not anything like that. I, I double I dipping. I don't know. Double dipping remains exclusively in the realm of competing in a singles or tag match at Royal Rumble and then competing in the Royal Rumble match. That's double dipping. I it's see. Not, it's not a Seinfeld joke. It's not a Dairy Queen gimmick, and it has nothing to do with being on more than one podcast. Is it a foreigner song? <laughs> it's not that either. Okay, okay. It's simply competing twice at the Royal Rumble event if one of those matches is the Royal Rumble match. Sure. And uh, and so that's where that lies. So good try, but not today, Satan. Okay. Uh, okay. Today is about saying, uh, hey. The Raven Effect, believe it or not, now with Rich Bokini and Darren Beasley. Yeah. So, uh, you should go check it out. And um, yeah, to our to our listeners, go uh, go go shoot some positivity uh, in the Twitter world or the Instagram world or the email world. Uh, let Rich, let Raven, let uh, MLW know that uh, we like Darren Beasley on the Raven Effect. Um, because we're going to be talking about all kind of crazy stuff. The Anunnaki, we're going to be talking about uh, uh, Bob Backlund, we're going to be talking about uh, Arthur C. Clarke, we're going to be talking about all the... Uh, there's a lot of aliens. I'm going to go ahead and say this. There's a whole lot of talk about aliens. Like, every time you think we're going to stop talking about aliens, we talk more about aliens. So... <laughs> uh, so spoiler alert! <laughs> now, now, for, the, <laughs> for those... Uh, for those of you who are listening to this podcast, because you are Raven Effect listeners who are just joining the whole Reffin show, hey, welcome. This is the whole Reffin show. This is where I came from. Uh, this is a place that, uh, like many places in my life, like Valdosta, Georgia. Um, we, don't, we, 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 don't, we don't talk about strippers as much on our show. <laughs> so that may, that, that may be a letdown. But never say never. Oh, there you go. But uh, whether you're coming here because of MLW or the Raven Effect, if this is the first time you're listening to the whole reference show, know this, that Darren Beasley and Perry Smith run a pretty tight ship around here. And as a matter of fact, we've been told by others, by others, that we are the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. And uh, so you're, you're listening to the right place uh, after you, you, you know, if you want to hear more uh, about... Uh, a wide array uh, of wrestling. Uh, this is a cool place to listen to it. The whole reference show is Rich Bokini really put us over on the Raven effect as a place where you can hear about all kinds of things wrestling related. And um, particularly uh, for those indie fans like this particular episode, Fest Wrestling 
is often spotlighted, and then we're going to do that today. Rich put us over that nice man, him. Uh, he's a sweetheart. He, he is a he's real so sweet... mean. He's so mean when that record button's hit, but when that when it's off, he's a nice guy. He's a nice. He guy. is. He's a sweet, 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 sweet man. <laughs> um, so anyway, w- without further ado, uh, thank you, Perry, for. Um, stacking this up here at the top of our uh, news ticker uh, here on the headlines. Sure. Uh, it is an exciting day uh, for me as well as for us, for the whole reference show. Um, <laughs> I think I said off the air that in a strange way, we sort of, um, uh, I guess, um, manifested ourselves into the world of wrestling when a couple of years ago we kind of peaked uh, in the in the crack of the door to see if anybody was going to slam it in our face, and when they didn't, we just waltzed right in. <laughs> and uh, so, so here we are, uh, almost three years later. So yeah, listen to me on the Raven Effect uh, this Monday, and uh, hopefully uh, all the Mondays to follow. Yeah, that'd be great. Once again, congratulations, Darren, on your new gig. Uh, tune into the Raven Effect. And uh, you can also catch me on my new show, uh, What Losers Do Alone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I almost just ruined my laptop I was glad. by apple juice. I was so glad you took a drink just when I said that. Um, yeah, okay, so I don't have a new show going on. But uh, I'm very happy for you, Darren. Speaking of new deals, we're not talking about the new deal. We're not talking about Franklin Delano Roosevelt? Oh, no, not again. Not this time. Um, AEW's deal with TNT all but concrete, all but signed, sealed, delivered. I'm yours. uh, (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, little Stevie. Um, And, of course, we're not talking about little Steven. Little Stevie Van Zandt? Oh, no, no. We're We're talking about little Stevie Wonder. Sure, sure. No, here's the deal. Uh, this deal, this new deal, this Turner deal, this wrestling on TNT deal, that's the deal I'm into. I am into it. Oh my God, Perry. If all elite wrestling is on Turner network television, then I am a boy in short pants having a large time. Wow. I mean, I'm not wearing any pants right now, but I will put on short pants when the story is confirmed. It's not confirmed yet. Apparently, Turner's holding out. Like they're they're releasing. Like there's a press release saying that uh, when we go to talk about the new season and we're going to go sell advertising, we're going to have this big, um, I guess, marketing and advertising uh, showcase. I'm not sure how that works. I don't work in television marketing, but some big events happening at Madison Square Garden. Uh, and they did a like a press release with a like a talent release. Who can you see here? Who's going to be talking for and by TNT? Well, there's no one from AEW on this list. Nevertheless, um, those those uh, people like us, our peers, our colleagues uh, in the um, uh, wrestling journalism community, are saying that it is simply a way of protecting this piece of news, that it will come out soon enough because the deal is apparently done. That AEW is headed to Turner Network Television for a television deal. Now talk about distribution. Talk about accessibility. This is where AEW goes from 0 to 60 in a snap, and I'm not talking about Thanos. (laughs) Yes. 
Uh, well done there. Nice. <laughs> That's our Avengers reference for the uh, episode. Um, yeah, AEW showing up on TNT again, and I've said it from the beginning. Shades of WCW, it's beginning to look a lot like World Championship Wrestling. Um, and, you know, AEW on TNT, that's just, come on, come on, former home of WCW Nitro, you kidding me? Um, so, what better place, I guess, but it's just funny because this AEW is, ah, oh, it's new, it's what the new kids are doing, it's all new, uh, and it's just shades of old, so many shades of old, and the more people they sign to AEW, the more it shades shades of old. The problem is, the more ghosts you bring in to the house, the more haunted the house becomes, Darren. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. I hope you're not talking about my house. No, I was segueing <laughs> into your house, yes. Uh, yeah, okay, well, fine. We'll, we'll go ahead and put that out right now. Uh, we once had to postpone an episode a week, folks. Because I could have sworn I saw some paranormal things going on behind Darren on uh, <laughs> on screen. And it freaked Darren out so much that we couldn't record the rest of the night. And then we just had to delay the episode a week. That happened. Yeah, that was probably the second or third scariest thing to ever happen to me in my whole life. <laughs> it's for you. And it would... I don't know what I have to say. It was scarier the way it happened. I would I would like to think that maybe it was it would have been scarier if you had pointed it out while it was happening, but you didn't. You were you were off on a tangent. You were doing great. You were saying some very good stuff, and I was just kind of like, "Am I seeing?" Because the the way the way your head tilts back and forth, like the overhead lighting of your kitchen, right. Is right behind you, so it goes from like you know very bright to out completely to like halfway, but all of a sudden, <laughs> this thing took form under the light and like smoky misted away up into the light, and it was the oddest thing I'd ever seen. And I didn't know if I should tell you or if I should just never say it. So I waited until we finished half the episode yeah, to mention it. You did it. the worst possible thing. Okay, okay. Um, th that reminds that me of another was... story, but yes, go ahead. Well, what? <laughs> that reminds me of another story, but go ahead, go ahead. A non-ghost-related story. Oh, my God, oh, God. Oh okay, God. calm down, Darren. We have to finish this episode. <laughs> so it is another ghost-related story. You're just not going to tell me. No, no, no. It's another, I should have said it, and the beginning story, uh, yeah. Well, now, now you got to tell me what is it? Oh my god! Uh, I was, I was. Uh, this is probably, oh god, this is probably fourteen. Nah, not that long. This, this is eleven years ago. This is almost exactly eleven years ago. I, uh, I was on a date that I didn't know I was on uh, with a girl that I liked a lot, and we were eating together. And she had, she had like a spinach salad. But you were aware she was there. I was like, aware she was there. I thought we were just hanging out. We were at a nice restaurant, but I didn't know it was a date. Um, and she got spinach salad, and a piece of spinach got stuck in her teeth, and it made it look like she was missing her back tooth. And she was talking and we're having a good time, and I noticed the, sal the, the spinach is in her teeth. And I'm thinking, do I tell her now, or do I just not tell her? And she goes to the bathroom later, and she goes, oh, she looks in the mirror and goes, oh, there's spinach. Hope you didn't see that. And I pretend I never saw it. So I split the difference. And an hour into our hanging out, I said, look, I don't want to embarrass you. <laughs> You've had a piece of spinach stuck in your teeth <laughs> for a good portion of the evening. And she got really, really upset. 
And uh, that was the end of that. And it wasn't until years later that I found out that that was a date and that basically all of that went away because I didn't tell her immediately up front that she had a piece of spinach in her in her teeth. Let that be a lesson to you, folks. <laughs> Let that be a lesson. And she may she may be the one that got away, Darren. She may be the uh, one. We oh, we that's we painful. when we talk about it, we joke about it now. How all that you know it would have been how different all that would have been. Uh, the courtship may have actually succeeded had I just simply said, "Oh, by the way, you've got spinach in your teeth," and she, oh, done. Anyway, uh, now of course, of course, you're not referring to the courtship of Eddie's father. No, which you love to you love to mention on this show as well. <laughs> anyway, uh, let you that be a lesson. Say, you can't say the word courtship <laughs> and not say of Eddie's father. Fair enough. Fair enough. So so. Oh, now, no, here, here's the thing. Let it be a lesson to you, Perry. Right. That imagine you had told her, you split the difference, and an hour into it, you told her, hey, I think I saw a ghost appear in your mouth. <laughs> That's a little different. And, and if you did that, then, then she would have experienced what I experienced, which was, oh, my God. My house is haunted. And I, <laughs> and I don't know that I, I don't even know. I don't even know that I definitively believe in like paranormal, supernatural, ghostly manifestations, call it what you will, et cetera, et cetera. But what I do know is that I've lived in two different houses in the past, not this one, that both <laughs> myself and others experienced very, very odd things. That, that is confirmed. I can confirm that. Yes. No, Exactly. But I've taken great comfort in the fact that for the last nine years, I've lived in this house with absolutely no hint of paranormal activity. And like I said, there was something scarier about the fact that you told me, hey, this happened 30 minutes ago. God, apparently, I'm the worst at that. Also confirmed. That, I'm the worst at that. In that 30 minutes, that ghost could have killed me. <laughs> It's true. We need to we need to talk about something else before I have to stop. Oh, Lord. To, my, the hair on the back of my neck is standing up already. Okay, well, let that be a lesson to you, folks. Uh, if if you're uh, at dinner with an attractive woman, uh, you know, or attractive man, whatever you're into, it's fine. If they have something in their teeth, tell them up front, be upfront about it, and just go ahead and get it over with. Bite that bullet. If you're podcasting with your buddy, um, the only wrestling podcast that calls right down the middle. If you see a ghost, don't fucking tell them. Don't fucking tell them about the ghosts, okay? So AEW, we'll see you on TNT soon enough. Ooh, I certainly hope so. That is so delicious. AEW on TNT ASAP. However, WWE. Yeah, that's a whole lot of initials. Uh, that's a whole lot of uh, confusion. If, if you have no idea what we were, if you had no idea what we were talking about, that would have sounded ridiculous just then. Um, <laughs> Speaking of WWE and ridiculous, this wild card thing, it's ridiculous. Just just end the brand split. Just end the brand split and give a hundred people their release, and then you will have a better, more uh, refined, more polished, more crisp uh, presentation and product. You can tell better stories without overcrowding. You can uh, let other companies be able to utilize big talent. 
Vince, just stop doing everything you're doing and do the opposite. Sure, sure. I agree with that completely, Darren. But for those who may, maybe don't know what the, what the wild card deal is, you might want to educate us, please. Okay, so wild card basically means that what? Up to four wrestlers from one brand can appear on the other brand. Right? At any given time? Sure. WWE is entertaining the notion. Still, they're still uh, maintaining the facade that they are two different companies. One being Raw, one being SmackDown Live. Uh, each with their own set of performers that are exclusive to that brand. Which, that's already been, there's already been wild cards without calling them wild cards. You know, ever since Becky Lynch showed up on both shows. You know, or fucking Mark, Ricochet. Mark. Lars Sullivan, Sami Zayn since his return, Elias. Sure, sure. It's already messy enough. And the superstar shakeup is so fresh, you don't even really know where people... Like, the dust hasn't even settled from that. Right, right. Uh, So, I mean, a lot of people think that this might be the end of the brand split, or at least heading in that direction. Uh, But here's the problem with that. You can't do it now. You realize that, right, Darren? Because you can't have the best show happen on the, the, the network that paid the most for Raw and then have basically the same exact show on another network that paid nowhere near what that network paid. You know what I mean? You can't have Game of Thrones on HBO that pays so much to have it on there and then also have Game of Thrones on Fox for much cheaper. You know what I mean? So they kind of just back themselves up into a corner. No, you're absolutely right. And if that's what it is, then they're doomed. Oh, fuck um, yes. If I'm, <laughs> if, I, if I'm going to give them any credit for maybe being smarter than that, maybe for once this is them planning ahead and maybe the wild card situation, while not making a lot of sense right now will make sense once SmackDown moves to Fox in the event that Raw and SmackDown actually do. They're never going to feel like two separate companies, but maybe they will actually, for the first time ever, feel like two separate brands. And if that's the case, then all of a sudden the wild card might be kind of neat Because if they feel more separate and then all of a sudden someone from Raw appears on SmackDown, that's more, uh, that's, that's bigger news. That's more entertaining. It's more shocking. But when they're, when they're on back to back nights on the same network and there's already enough flipping and flopping, it, it doesn't have any, it doesn't have any gravity to it. None of the moves temporary or permanent mean anything sure so maybe maybe they're setting themselves up for success after the smackdown move to fox that's the only thing that would make any sense because otherwise why don't you just do this without it having to have a name sure but also i mean there's talk of smackdown going three hours you think that's a good thing if people people are already disinterested in two hours of SmackDown. People complain about how long Raw is, even though the ratings are decent, uh, you know, for it being Raw and all. So I don't know why you think making SmackDown longer would improve viewership. Uh, I don't I don't understand that thinking at all. I don't understand that thinking at all either. I think a three-hour SmackDown is a terrible idea. 
Remember when Raw was only two hours long and the roster was about maybe 15% the size that it is now? And WWF, WWF barely had 30 people to put into a Rumble, let alone have the rest of the card for the Royal Rumble. And remember a two, how action-packed a two-hour episode of Raw used to be? Which, by the way, those Royal Rumbles were always double dead. So. <laughs> well, I was trying not to go that direction, but um, no. But I know, I know exactly what you mean. But those Raws were better. That's what I'm saying, though. That they they did so much more with so much less that it really it boggles my mind that they can't get anything done with all that they have now. We're talking about back in the day when like there be a there be a match in progress. But then also, like, while the match is going on, you know, a little picture-in-picture of, like, Farouk and the Nation. Like, talking about how they're going to beat up on Stone Cold Steve Austin later that night and stuff like that. Like, it was, it was as far as a TV show goes, so much more enjoyable. Because there was too much happening at all times. And it felt like everything was happening all at once. It was super exciting. And you didn't want to miss a minute of it. Now they have a whole extra hour and nothing happens on Raw. I just I don't understand how the format got so I guess lazy. Um, I mean it, it's hard to it's hard to to be innovative on Raw because it's like the zillionth episode and you've basically done everything. But I see new things other promotions are doing constantly and think if you just try harder, maybe you could make it innovative and fun. You're just not trying. They're not trying. They're not trying to tell stories anymore. They're just not trying to tell actual stories anymore. It's here's this person, 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 sure. and that's not storytelling. That's a that's a highlight reel or a strobe light or a commercial. That's not a show. That's not a that's not a, a story. That's not a movie. That's not a a, a, a character arc. It is not a, a storyline. It's not entertaining, and it's also not like exhibition wrestling either. It's just, it's like Baskin-Robbins 31 flavors crammed into three hours, but like all 31 flavors are the same flavor, and you only get like uh, like, uh, like, uh, like a, a milliliter of each flavor. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Like, it's like, it's, it's whole milk, but you're getting skim milk. Like it's, it's. It's 2% milk. Uh, yeah, there, there's something very watered down about Raw. And it's been that way for a very long time, and I just don't understand. I know, I know, and you know, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be totally fair here and say it's probably really tough to fill three hours of television, you know, every every week. I know, I know writers who've had to write on, like, you know, uh, talk shows who have, have a new episode every day, basically, every weekday. And it's like, that's got to be so hard just to, like, write something once a week, let alone like, you know, four to five days a week. So I get that. I get that. But wrestling writes itself. You know what I mean? It really does. <laughs> so I, I, I'm just going to say, like, I get tired of the excuse that it's hard to do. I understand why you would bring that up. And I would never say that it's easy to do. Sure. Don't misunderstand me. But there's a difference between me saying that that it's not easy and me going straight to it's so hard. It's it's a thousand wonders they were ever able to do it. 
Because I would never say that either. And the reason is this. I'm tired of the, the criticism that it's hard to do. I'm tired of the, uh, the, the mirror being held up so that the critical fan gets his finger pointed back at him. Well, if you think it's so easy, do you think you could do it? Well, personally, yes, I do personally think I could do it. <laughs> I think you and I could, just you and me. I honestly believe you and I could sit down and write Raw and SmackDown better than they do. Well, that's but a given, not, Darren. Of course we could. Sure. But hey, I'm not making that pitch. I'm not making that argument. I'm just saying that. I'm just stating that for the record. But what the argument I am making is this. If it's so hard, and I understand it is challenging, for a company that is as old as the WWE, a company that is as successful as the WWE, a company with a tried and true track record like the WWE, a company that has an abundance, an overabundance of retired wrestlers who are serving as bookers, agents, writers, handlers, producers. You have all of those people and a wide array of Hollywood and television writers like dozens and dozens over the last 20 years, all under that roof, all of that combined, they can't do it. I don't care if it's hard when you have the money and the talent in-house to take something hard and make it easy, then fucking make it easy. No, no, you're absolutely right about that, especially when you put it in those terms. It's, you know, Vince McMahon, you're a billionaire. You know what I mean? And WWE is your baby. It's why you are a billionaire. Hire more writers. You know what I mean? Hire more production people. Hire more acting coaches. Hire an acting coach, for fuck's sake. You know, hire more personnel. Hire, hire more crew to drive the ship. You know what I mean? No, exactly. It's sure. like It's like, you know what's hard? Driving a race car. Well, that's why you don't ask a second grader to do it. You ask Mario fucking Andretti to do it. <laughs> you were about to say Mario fan Peoples. It's like, where is he going with this? I would never say, would never say Mario Van Peoples is the solution to anything. Um, if, 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 if the question was for, for forgettable 90s action stars. I, if somebody said, bring me Mario Van Peebles, Mario Van Peebles wouldn't be the solution to that. <laughs> even know what that means i'm just being uh, no i i kind of i get it because i understand our stupidity yes but uh <laughs> wwe the wild card thing it's dumb um but i mean it there needs to be no brand split i again i i get why there is one so you can showcase more talent but how about you just figure out a way to do that anyway uh, how about you scoop up a bunch of folks who aren't doing anything and put them in a stable how about you fucking make some more managers happen and get people together, um, take people who aren't doing shit and put them together and instantly they're doing shit. Uh, it's it's not that hard. It really isn't that hard to do. It isn't. It isn't. Uh, so wildcard thing is a dumb idea. Uh, I mean, they've been breaking brand split rules ever since the brand split. People just show up on different shows randomly. Uh, I, I understand SmackDown's under a lot of pressure right now to improve in the ratings. His ratings are the lowest, I think, ever at this point. Um, so who knows what needs to be done, but I feel like it could be done easily. You have very talented people working for you. Uh, I don't understand what the <laughs> what the issue is. So uh, Especially because they have Kofi as, as champion. 
And isn't that what everyone wanted? Why isn't everyone tuning in every week? This is kind of, that's kind of a thing though, right? I mean, I have a point. The the guy that everyone I'm I'm too busy rolling my eyes. No, no, I, I understand, I understand, Darren, but I'm trying to say the guy that quote everyone wanted, the WWE universe wanted to be champion, is champion. Why aren't you tuning in to see your champion? Because apparently they're not. That they wanted to do it because they wanted to say it got done because we wanted it to happen. And that happened. I'm not saying that shouldn't happen in wrestling. That should happen in wrestling more often than not. But you guys, they're not reaping the rewards of that decision based on what you your wishes. So it is kind of weird to me uh, that, yeah, the, the audience didn't show up, even though Kofi is your champion of SmackDown Live. So anyway, uh, so the wild card thing is going to keep happening, and the brand split may come to an end. We're just going to wait and see. But, I mean, the fact that both shows are about to be on uh, – about to be in companies that are no longer – or that are not affiliated at all – Fox has nothing to do with NBC Universal. Uh, but it's not part of that whole tree. I mean, like NBC Universal is, you know, that's USA, that's NBC, obviously, it's sci-fi. It's why these, that's why WWE tends to show up on these channels. Uh, uh, so yeah, Univision, that's also WWE's. Uh, they've been on that before for the Spanish broadcasts of Raw because that's also NBC as well. Um, so yeah, that all makes sense. Fox not part of that umbrella, so <laughs> you can't give Fox the same show for a lot less money, that's just bad business. And I'm sure, you know, NBC Universal will not appreciate that. Anywho, uh, speaking of people messing up, Lars Sullivan, Darren. Lars Sullivan. Yeah, well, he goofed uh, apparently uh, a while back, years in the past. Um, now, I, it's far worse than simply saying he goofed. I was about to say, you're letting him off easy there, Darren. No, I'm not. Le- I'm definitely not letting him off easy here. I think the problem is, though, is how hard do you come down? You can't let him off easy, but what do you do? I mean, do you just fire him? Do you just say, hey, you said some stupid stuff one time. You're fired. Or you? it's kind of an all or nothing, no AEW pun intended. Uh, or is it double or nothing? Yes. I was, I was combining the names. So anyway... <laughs> It's not all in. It's not double or nothing. It's not all or nothing. Um, but it seems like this is kind of the way that we as a Twitter society have decided to punish people. Did you ever do anything wrong? Then you never get to work again. Or you get to get away with everything. Sure. Sure. No, that's fair. It, it's funny because Lars Sullivan, I mean, he he, he made a lot of uh, negative comments towards uh, illegal immigrants uh, Middle Easterners, uh, African Americans, it seems, uh, even even <laughs> even some white people. I believe he refers to some uh, some rest- cruiserweight wrestlers as vanilla midgets, which uh, I believe he wouldn't be the first one to do. Right, I say which I believe Kevin Nash uh, made that same comment before. Also, uh, I think uh, a couple of uh, opinions, unpopular opinions about rape, um, all kinds of stuff, steroid use. Uh, I mean, so it was kind of like, oh, what did he say that was so bad? It wasn't like, oh, he said this one thing. It was like, oh, he said 30 things on, uh, like, what, forums and, like, chat rooms and stuff like that. People have screenshots of all these things, and that's kind of where all this came from. Um, and this is from years ago, and he released a statement recently that said he apologizes for that if anyone was offended, which 
it should it should offend all earthlings uh, because he kind of hits every corner. Uh, well, that and that was another thing I was going to point out here. It doesn't make it right, sure, but it is interesting that it, he is sort of an equal opportunity offender here. Like on one hand, he's making fun of like Arab Muslims, and then he turns right around and makes like anti-Semitic remarks. And typically, you're making one or the other. You're not making both of those, like, uh, ignorant um, summations based on race. Well, wait, wait, when, it, when it comes to his discrimination, he doesn't discriminate, Darren. <laughs> <laughs> he does and he doesn't. Right, right, right. Um, so, I mean, we're joking about this because it's, it's just absurd um, that... Yeah, I, I, we, 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 we liked Lars Sullivan... Um, I, I, we like Mark Sullivan, the wrestler. The, exactly, like, the, the wrestler. We don't, know, we don't know anything. We don't know anything about Dylan Miley. Sure, sure, sure. We, we've liked Lars Sullivan since we've seen him on NXT, and we're happy about him showing up on the main show. But all this coming out, I mean, apparently advertisers are kind of getting on to WWE now, going like, "Whoa, whoa, we know about this guy." But it, it, it's 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 obvious. It's bad. If they fire him, I understand. I get it. I'm not saying he's not he, he's not. Uh, He's not fit to be tied at this point for making all these remarks, um, but uh, it is kind of, it is still kind of, uh, it's a little catch twenty two e. It's a little, a uh, little odd because WWE is going to fire someone for hating, uh, we'll say, gays and certain Middle Easterners, and they're going to do business in Saudi Arabia, which hates certain Middle Easterners and gays. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. Eh, that's not right, and to me that goes back to that. It's kind of like what are you what are you comfortable with? What can you live with? WWE, and I guess every individual has that you know has that on their own has their own scale of what can I what can I let people get away with? You know what I mean? Yeah, well, WWE is in a weird position, and I don't feel sorry for them. They put themselves into this position, sure, but they're in the position where they're doing international business with uh, a Muslim uh, nation in the Middle East. They have put themselves into the position where they try to operate like a family-owned company, like a small business, but yet they're publicly traded. And it's also part and parcel of the world we live in where WWE has decided, because you don't have to be, but WWE has decided to be beholden to the Twitterverse And so all of a sudden, they are serving too many masters, and they're serving masters that are at constant conflict with one another. Every different element of society, Vince wants to say yes to. Well, you can't before some of your yeses to this person turn out to be no's to this person. Sure. And yet you, me, Vince, not you and me, Vince, the WWE, wants them all to be perceived as yeses. Because they want to be perceived as serving the fans. But guess what? Sometimes the fans are assholes. Sometimes (laughs) the fans are racist. Sometimes the fans are bigots. Sometimes the fans are wrong. You can't focus on um, this like high-level fan service where you're dealing with Wall Street and like oil barons. uh, And then you're also going to deal with every... Tom, Dick, and Sally, who has a Twitter account. It's like you can't achieve all of those things at one time. That's not 
what you it's not what you can do and it's it's certainly not what you should do sure i don't know it, it it's very very messy and, and to condemn lars sullivan alone it'd be like when they decided that uh uh you know hulk hogan we're gonna we're gonna like double triple quadruple down on uh like trying to erase hulk hogan there for a while right and now fully back right so it's like you know, there's also that that somehow there's that like road to redemption that WWE also allows. Sure. So again, like, what are you doing? You cannot possibly. It must be exhausting. Their 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 PR department must be exhausting to work for. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure. I'm sure it's a revolving door of people who work in uh, like the PR department. It's literally a new fire every single week. But. And yeah, I'm, I'm not, I mean, we're, we're definitely not saying Lars Sullivan is okay for what he said. Far from it. We're just saying, like, this This hits so many points of, like, you know, basically Lars Sullivan was an internet troll, if you think about it, who became a wrestler. And now all of his trolling came back to haunt him when he got a job at the company that he used to make fun of. So it's kind of interesting how that came full circle for him. You know, he's, he's paying for those mistakes now. Like I said, they may or may not fire him. If they do, I get it. It's fine. If they keep him, I, I get it, I guess. I don't know. But the thing is, when someone makes a mistake, do you reprimand them and then they do their time, you know, for, for their crime? Does the punishment fit the crime? Do you have to exile everyone who makes any kind of mistake in general forever? Like, you know, put them on a raft and, and set them adrift at sea and don't let them back on the island again. Or do when when someone genuinely says, like, I'm sorry for what I did X amount of years ago. You know, I, I, I'm not that person anymore. Can we move on? You know, I'm sorry if I offended anyone. Which Lars Sullivan came out and said, again, not saying that makes everything okay. But I'm, I, I am wondering, though, like, I mean, it seems like the internet has become a lynching party. And the only way they're going to be happy is if the offender is lynched. So, you're absolutely right, and um, you know I, I'm glad. I'm 110 percent glad that Lars Sullivan has come out and apologized for these things because, yes, if he said them, he should apologize for them because they were ignorant, they were careless, they were rude and hateful, and they should, and they deserve an apology. Um, I also believe that if he did apologize and he was sincere, then uh, we should be open to forgiving him. Sure. You know, and forgiving doesn't have to be forgetting, but forgiving doesn't have to be, uh, you don't have to talk out of both sides of your mouth and say, you're forgiven and also banished from this land. Right, right. right. So you you forgive him or you don't, but you got to shit or get off the pot here. Like, uh, again, I'm not saying he deserves um, to be exonerated, but he deserves the right to a speedy trial, even if it is just the court of public opinion. Let's deal with it. Let's move on. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, and speaking of moving on. Oh, no, please. Can we please talk I, about something happy and fun? I, I think uh, I think it is time for us to move on. That is all for the headlines. But we have Fest Wrestling's Hardcore Hunt two still to talk about darren you were there let's hear about it hey guys this is rich bokini you might remember me as kevin owens punching bag on smackdown you're listening to the whole rough and show the only podcast that calls it right down the middle 
Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, hashtag dear listeners all, Best Wrestling, the hottest indie wrestling organization in the world, put on Hardcore Hunt 2 live from the 8 Second Saloon in Gainesville, Florida, lovely Hogtown, that's right, on Saturday, May the 4th, 2019, a few hours later than normal. This one ran into the night, folks. Fest Wrestling getting started around dark 30 and ending up giving indie wrestling hotness to the masses all night long. And I was there. I got to soak up every bit of uh, what is really just absolutely killer indie wrestling, independent wrestling, pro wrestling, uh, wrestling by any other name. Besides Fest, would not smell as sweet. No, Fest Wrestling, it smells like blood, sweat, and Pap's Blue Ribbon. And uh, I would I would definitely not have it any other way. Um, Perry, as always, uh, I hated that you couldn't be there on the, the occasions that you can't be there. Um, you've been with me at most Fest Wrestling shows. But uh, as of your uh, permanent relocation to the West Coast... You, you can't always be there. And I will say that you are missed. Hurts my heart. And, uh, Hurts my heart. Yeah. And you're missed by many of our uh, Fest friends, our Fest family, the Fest faithful. Of course, we're talking about fans of Fest. We're talking about audience members. And we're talking about participants, whether it's the men in the, in the commentary booth, Rich Bokini and Max Gregg, whether it is the man behind the curtain, of course, Tony Weinbender, or everybody from the referees, Ref Tony, Frank Gastineau, to the wrestlers, former world champion Effie, current world champion Saeed Al-Sabah, the Ugly Ducklings, Teddy Stigma, Wolf Taylor, that deadbeat, and Leon Scott <laughs> from the wasteland. All of them, even old Serpentico, when he's not slinking around and hissing, we know he's a pretty decent guy. Yeah, sure. If I had one wish... It would be for long enough arms to reach across the continent to hug each and every one of them, Darren, because I miss them so. I miss Fest Wrestling. Aww. Well, I basically just told you who was there. Um, was <laughs> Good night, all, folks. It was all of those people and more. Of course, Ariel Monroe making her return to Fest Wrestling, as well as Leba Bates, Jamie Senegal, and Diamante. We will see Kylan King in her uh, return to Fest Wrestling, as well as, ooh, that nasty dude, C.J. O'Doyle, the triumphant return of the abominable CPA. And Teddy Stigma, <laughs> I know I already mentioned him, but after having him on the show last week and discussing the health of his knees, uh, I just want to say Teddy Stigma and his healthy knees, they were there. Yay. Good to hear. Good to hear. So, um, I mean, I think we should talk about all these matches because I want to give everybody their due. I, I want to acknowledge uh, the, the show that was. And, of course, since you couldn't be there, I need to tell you all about it. Sure. Tell me and, you know, as well as our hashtag dear listeners, what went on? All right. So, okay. First of all, it, it's eight seconds, it, it, formerly known as Cowboys. It's a country and western bar. It's wonderful. Like I said, it absolutely reeks of blood, sweat, and Pabst Blue Ribbon. It's hardwood floors. You, you, you might could boot, scoot, and boogie, but you could also show up in your punk rock best and stand behind a piece of pink tape on the floor. Maybe it was blue this time. 
and you know cheer on your favorite independent wrestling stars as they beat the bejesus out of one another just to make you happy. I was very happy. On this particular day in the springtime in North Florida, the show begins with the return of Vandal. That's right. Don't forget Vandal, who at this point is the lost member of Awaken, as Awaken has split down the middle between Wolf Taylor and Leon Scott. Vandal comes back. He's asking Tony Weinbender in the back, hey, I need a match, man. I'm here to wrestle. I'm a part of Fest. I, you know, I've been here from the beginning. You know, I, I need I, I need a match. I need to be on this card. Here I am. I'm ready to fight. Tony said, okay, that's cool. But the only way you're going to fight tonight is in a tag team match. So I suggest you find a tag team partner. Vandal's looking for a tag team partner. Uh, <laughs> Coach Mikey is, seems rather enamored with some chocolates uh, and, and <laughs> does very little other than giggle and wave. Um, you expect that maybe a tad bit more from Kylan King. But no, she just kind of giggles and waves herself and then does that very disconcerting thing where you laugh, 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 and then you stop laughing. Sure, sure. Like uh, nobody nobody likes to be on the receiving end of that. It might, it might make you dribble out a little bit of urine, uh, you know. <laughs> C.J. O'Doyle also says no to Vandal, and I was surprised about that because, um, you know, I wouldn't say C.J. O'Doyle and Vandal have a lot in common. But they are both, they can both be mean, nasty men. Sure, birds of a feather, right? Right. Yeah. I, I figure Vandal and C.J. O'Doyle, they come together, they fight as a tag team. It's a pretty formidable tag team. Like that, They seem like they could really kick some ass. But nobody backstage wants Vandal. So what's it going to be? Well, as we find out, it's Jamie Senegal. Ah. We knew that Jamie was booked on the show, or at least that Jamie was going to be in town. We did not, however, have any indication of a match. And now, all of a sudden, Jamie Senegal comes to talk to Vandal in the back. Vandal is uh, a little reluctant, but Vandal is hungry to fight. He's hungry to be back on our best wrestling card. And next thing you know, Jamie says, we're going to have to change up this look a little bit, but I will be your tag team partner. And so we know that we've got Vandal and Jamie Senegal to look forward to uh, as a unit performing together in a tag team match later in the show. But now we leave the video monitors and we go live in the bar at eight seconds. And it starts off fast and furious. And I'm not talking about uh, a car racing movie with or conspicuously without Vin Diesel <laughs> like this new one apparently is. Now that Dwayne Johnson and Jason Statham have hijacked the franchise, apparently. <laughs> Which, I don't know anything about that franchise, but I think the use of the word hijack qualifies as a pun. Sure. So I'm going to go ahead and say pun intended. Sure, sure. Or carjack in the very least. I, I do like the joke. This is not my joke. I read this on the internet. That the 10th installment of the Fast and the Furious series would be called Fast 10, Your Seatbelts. <laughs> Oh my god. That's is it, it really? If they get there, they better fucking name it that. Well, I like isn't that the next one? Isn't the like what is the name of this I, one I, that doesn't the, 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 this one this one doesn't count. This one's the, this one's a spin-off of two of the characters. I believe it's called Hobbs and Shaw. I've only ever seen the first Fast and the Furious movie, which I was not a fan of, so I didn't watch any of the new ones. But I'm well, told they get I, better. I have never seen any of the movies. I have, however, been on 
the Tokyo Drift ride at Universal <laughs> Studios Hollywood. Please don't call that a ride. Uh, please don't call that a ride. Thank you. Okay. It's not a ride. I have been on the sit still and watch two cars flip around. It's hardly even that, Darren. <laughs> but yes. Fair enough. And uh, yeah. So I, 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 don't, I don't buy into Fast and Furious. And what it's called, wait, what is it called? The new one? Uh, Hobbs and the Shaw, one, I think. The, car, the carjacked one? Yeah, it's called Hobbs and Shaw. Those are the characters that the, the Rock and Statham play, I think. So not not Calvin and Hobbes. No, 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 no. That's the Fast and Furious spinoff I want to see, is <laughs> Calvin and Hobbes street racing in Tokyo. That's the one I want to see. That's the SNL sketch that's yet to be recorded, yes. Yeah. A boy and his <laughs> stuffed tiger um, in, in a teeny little gumball car made in Korea. Um, and... <laughs> Also, there will be explosions. Sure. And people will like it too much. People will like it too much. Vroom vrooms and kablooies. People love it. Wow. Okay, so here we are. Uh, the matches begin in earnest in Gainesville at the Hardcore Hunt 2. Why is it called the Hardcore Hunt 2? Because it's Easter. Wait, it's not Easter, but it's close to Easter. And apparently the Easter Bunny, as we heard from Rich Bokini last week, he vacations in Florida. He had some giant leftover eggs, and he drops them off for Tony Weinbender and friends to hide all about the place. And, uh, you know, while people are boozing and, and uh, enjoying themselves and loving life, uh, the wrestlers are out among them hunting for uh, these giant eggs because inside are all sorts of various implements of destruction that people are going to use in a hardcore fashion to try and dismantle one another. But that match is yet to come. Because, yes, the first match is a tag team match. Not Vandal and Jamie Senegal, not yet. But Diamante and Serpentico. Aha, they are in league together. They are a formidable team together. They are a deliberate team. They are combining their forces to take on Ariel Monroe and Darius Lockhart. He is a revolutionary. Now... This is a cool match because these are four badasses. These people, the all four of these individuals can wrestle. They can wrestle very well. It's nice to see Ariel Monroe back. Um, it, it's it's always impressive to see Diamante and Serpentico uh, and their abilities on display, despite how uh, how uh, underhanded they have become. Uh, and Darius Lockhart is always welcoming Gainesville. Uh, fists in the air. Uh, everybody wants to be a revolutionary alongside Darius Lockhart. Now, Lockhart ties up Diamante in the pretzel. You know, that that whole thing. It's hard for me to describe. I don't know what the technical term terminology is. Also, I don't know how that works uh, in terms of physics. But Diamante finds herself tied up in a pretzel. Before you know it, Ariel Monroe has done the same thing to Serpentico. <laughs> And, uh, and that's really cool. Now, Diamante is out a lot in the early part of this match. Like, she's she seems particularly exhausted. Like, maybe more than she should be. Um, I don't understand what has, like, what has her knocked this far down the rungs of the ladder. But she, uh, she seems very, very, very much out of this match in the early going. But, anyway... What the result is, is, is that Darius Lockhart and Ariel Monroe are pummeling uh, Diamante and Serpentico for the most part. 
Although we do see some brief comebacks, a little bit of life out of both Serpentico and um, Diamante. Um, eventually, I mean, it, it's not the it, it's not in any way the typical you know one gets a shine, one gets a comeback. Um, but at the same time, it'd be hard to argue that's not what happens um, because toward the end it kind of evens out. It does even out. There's a, there's it's a slugfest. They're going back and forth, uh, but in the end. Diamante and Serpentico, despite fighting from underneath for practically the entire match, do get the win. Diamante rolls up Darius Lockhart for a surprise victory. And so the two that are clearly the bad guys uh, <laughs> get the win here in the opening bout. I'm a little surprised of the actual, uh, I guess, official, I should say, pairing of Diamante and Serpentico because for a long time it was hard to see it was hard to say if Serpentico and Diamantes were in cahoots at all. It seemed more like uh, Diamante caused as much trouble for Serpentico as she did for Effie or Saeed Al Sabah. You know, along you know around the time Jason Cade became champion and was Best Wrestling Champion. Um, so the fact that they're together is kind of odd. I wonder if Serpentico just said, "Hey, if you can't beat them, join them." Um, but Serpentico, Serpent, Diamante, Diamond. If their tag team name were Diamond Serpent, that's awesome. And it's also, that should have been an 80s hair metal band. Uh, or an 80s, 80s metal band um, <laughs> from back in the day. No, I completely agree. If you told me that it was one, I'd be hard-pressed to doubt it. Right. I mean, I guess there is Diamond Head. So I guess that's kind of along those lines. But still, Diamond Serpent. I like that a lot. So... Uh, obviously, four great competitors. I'm sure that was just a really fun as shit match to watch, uh, especially live and in color. No, it, it really was. Uh, Diamante, um, you know, we knew that she was she had taken a turn for the worse months and months and months ago when she unmasked herself uh, to be uh, at the side of Jason Cade. Boy, she is surly these days. I mean, it's <laughs> the best way to, to to say it. Yeah. Dude, middle fingers for everyone. Like, this is one, like, rude chick. Like, she is she is upset, and she is not afraid to let you know. So I'm sure that Fest uh, crowd was pretty happy to see her get smacked in the face by Errol Monroe. I've always loved Errol Monroe, by the way. I love that look. I love that mohawk. It harkens back to, to you know, obviously, uh, early day storm. Uh, from X Men, which I, I, I like, instantly connected with as far as Ariel goes. Also, her her abilities are great. She's phenomenal, super strong woman. Um, and Darius Lockhart always fun to watch wrestle. So again, this this must have been just a fun match to watch. No, it definitely was. I don't want to disappoint you, Ariel Monroe. The Mohawk is gone. What? Uh, what? Long, Heel long, turned. Heel turned me, Ariel. Long, very skinny uh, braids. Um, so her hair is very long. Wow. It's still shaved on the side. You can pretend it's a mohawk. I'm going to pretend it's um, a mohawk. Yeah. But, but it's not exactly Storm's haircut anymore, but yeah, it was a great match. Um, I like all four of these competitors. I was happy to see them, uh, in Gainesville. Unfortunately for those who like to see uh, good triumph over evil, you're not, you're not going to get it. Not, not in this opener. Ooh. Next up, we get the further splintering, the further distancing, the complete and total breakup and disintegration, annihilation 
of Awaken. That's right. Leon Scott takes on Wolf Taylor one-on-one. -on -one. Leon said he wouldn't fight him. Leon said repeatedly, I won't fight you. You're like a brother. You're like my son. And oh, whoa, are we going to cry, Leon? <laughs> I, it's so hard for me to feel sympathetic for Leon Scott because I've literally wanted to like spit in his face for like three years. Sure. And, and now I'm like, no, Leon Scott doesn't have feelings. But I will say this, Wolf is really leaning into this deadbeat uh, aspect of his personality. Don't call it a gimmick. He now has brand new trunks because uh, he's gone from the pants to the trunks. And uh, they and they make no, he's not mincing words here. His ass says deadbeat on it. And Wolfie deadbeat, man, he, he's got a beer in his hand. He's got a cigarette burning when he comes through that curtain. And he is a hashtag mean mad man. And he is there because I guess he just, he's just like fuck Leon Scott. <laughs> um, you know, he's tired of being pushed around. He's tired of being held down. He, he's looking the gift horse in the mouth, you know, that Leon brought him in, that he mentored him, that he gave him a purpose. He gave him direction. He gave him support. He gave him uh, a literal like exoskeleton of having Leon and Vandal at his side at all times to watch his back and, and help him do the dirty deeds of the, of, uh, uh, awaken. But, um, Wolf is man. He's sloughed it off like old scales from a snake. Leon still determined not to fight Wolf. Um, he won't hit him. He won't do anything. Uh, at, 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 at finally, finally, Leon agrees to quote unquote wrestle him. Um, I'm assuming so that he doesn't hurt him. Leon, uh, you know, takes a, a hammer lock. Leon tries to, to get him in a, in a, in a half Nelson. Uh, Leon wrestles him to the ground. And that's a little different to watch Leon Scott and Wolf Taylor get real technical, get on their knees uh, in the middle of the ring on that canvas and see him do some mat work. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, because um, yeah, with these two, you would expect just a slugfest. Like, you would expect just fists flying, you know, Wolf's pissed, Leon's pissed that he has to beat the shit out of Wolf. I mean, like, it's it's a really, it, this is some, like, family affair bullshit right here, man. This is Awaken, which has been a very tight unit for as long as Fest has been around, uh, you know. <laughs> so, to see these two go at it is very, uh, it's very odd and... and you have to kind of adjust your eyes to what you're seeing because it's Wolf Taylor versus Leon Scott. But I don't know. Again, I think this match is happening far too soon because Leon, you know, made the declaration that he would not fight Wolf Taylor, you know, not too long ago. And it didn't take, I guess, that long for Leon to kind of cave and say, fine, fine. I brought you into this world. I'm going to take you out. But, uh, you know, Wolf has to expect to fight at some point, especially if you poke the bear. Bear's going to fight back eventually. And, you know, Leon Scott kind of looks like a bear. And he kind of lumbers around like a bear. And, uh, <laughs> you know, he, he, well, he does. And, you know, and he shits in the woods. I, I mean, if you follow his Instagram, you cannot tell me that Leon Scott does not shit in the woods. He, you know, <laughs> he's holding up turtles by their tails. He's petting raccoons. And he's dipping his toes into like gnarly looking swamps. Sure. You know, sure. Th this man, 
He says he's from the wasteland. I think he might mean he's from the wetlands uh, <laughs> of, of, of central Florida. Because, <laughs> because Leon Scott is a regular Okie Finoki Joe. I, I, I just I just picked. Oh my God! Yes, Okie Finoki Joe. Hashtag Okie Finoki Joe for life, Darren. Um, I just pictured uh, Leon Scott in full Leon Scott garb uh, in one of those fan boats sailing through the Everglades, <laughs> <laughs> like goggles on, wind blowing, and just ah, gritting his teeth. Oh man, I need I need that movie. Anyway, continue. He's the warlord of the wetlands. <laughs> you can't litter here. Punch, punch, punch. Yeah, hide your box turtles and your gar. <laughs> Gar, right? That, isn't that a fish? Yeah, it could be one. Fish called Gar. Terry? Probably... Terry Gar? <laughs> oh, wait. What's oh, wait, Terry wait. Gar? Oh, no. Oh, that reminded me of the joke. Yeah, yeah. What is it? Squid Gar? Who's half squid, gar. <laughs> half, squid half Gar? Half, half Terry Gar? It's a half squid, half Terry Gar. Uh, squid Gar. The, the, was it the, the Horsehead Nebula champion back when we were making fun of the Universal Belt? Wow. Nice callback. Nice callback. That was organic, folks. That was very organic. If, if you've been listening to the show long enough to, <laughs> to know about Squidguard, then your name is Tyler Rollins. Um, <laughs> God bless you, no, Tyler Rollins. Yeah, we love you, Tyler. But we know there's actually quite a few of you out there who have been listening that long. So this Squidguard is for you. Um, <laughs> uh, this this, this Okie Finoki Joe is for Leon Scott. Oh, so here's yes. the deal, though. Leon is in, Leon's literally in the middle of fighting Wolf while while still not quite fighting Wolf. But um, after Wolf, real God, Wolf is just like a, a petulant child. Um, he you know he takes a powder, he flicks off the crowd. Uh, I really thought I God, I really thought he was about to fight about two or three different people in the crowd, like. All kayfabe aside, I thought Wolf Taylor was about to beat ass in Gainesville. Like, there, it just, wow, it really crossed the line. And I was like, damn, um, that was some hot shit. Um, I, I thought it was really excellent. So Leon gets Wolf by the throat, finally. And he won't do anything, though. What? He's like, oh, I'm about to break. I'm going to get you by the throat, you little bastard. I got you now. I'm going <laughs> to finally, I'm going to hit you. But he can't do it. He can't bring himself to do it. Which, of course, leaves him wide open for Wolf to kick him square in the gonads. And um, th then, of course, it spills to the outside. Leon is now at the mercy of Wolf Taylor. And uh, Wolf tornado DDTs Leon onto that hardwood floor. And then, oh my god, there, uh, Leon at this point is triggered. Uh, hashtag triggered. Leon is seeing red. Um, you know, he's imagining himself on an airboat. Uh, speeding through the Everglades, uh, chasing down Wolf Taylor, running down a dream. Uh, <laughs> it's the second time I've made a Tom Petty lyric. Uh, a wolf spits in Leon's mouth. Uh... He doesn't spit on Leon. He doesn't spit at Leon. He doesn't spit on Leon's mouth. Wolf Taylor spits in Leon's mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and I almost threw, I almost like 
had an involuntary vomit occur. <laughs> those, those are unfortunate. They're as unfortunate as the voluntary vomits, yes. Yes. So Leon, again, hashtag triggered, hits a couple of huge slams uh, and then pins Wolf Taylor for a near fall. Near fall. Uh, back to the outside, Leon slammed Wolf on the floor. Um, and then Baghead minus the bag. What? Yeah, Baghead minus the bag is standing in the crowd with Wolf Taylor's girlfriend. And next thing you know, Leon is grabbing Baghead, slamming him onto Wolf Taylor onto the floor. And the next thing you know, Leon's got Wolf. He's dragging him over to the bar. He's throwing him on top of the bar. He's throwing him behind the bar. And then he starts looking for uh, like a table or, I guess, Fest Wrestling. So he's looking for a door. <laughs> he's looking for a door. But not to leave, to slam his opponent through. So he can't find one. Leon's desperately looking for this door. He can't find it, so he grabs two chairs. He brings the chairs over. And by the time he sets them up, uh, Wolf is back up on his feet. Wolf then runs and bulldogs Leon through the two chairs. Oh, wow. Because uh, like the chairs are seated, you know, like upright in a regular seating position, facing each other, and here comes Wolf flying over them, bulldogging Leon through them, crashing to the floor. And it was pretty gnarly. Oh man, I, I've, when you were talking about them interacting on the outside of the ring. Uh, now that I think about it, I that is their domain. Think about all the times Leon Scott has brawled with someone outside of the ring, like by the bar. Like over, we're, we're sitting kind of towards, or I guess I'm more standing, I should say, toward the back of like the bunch that's, you know, ringside. And all of a sudden, I'm front row because Leon Scott is now on the other side of the wooden rail, you know, <laughs> battling someone, you know, throwing someone through the Ugly Duckling's merch table. Or you know, throwing or like, did he? Was it him that threw like beastly into the 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 Paps uh, trough, the ice trough full of Paps beer? Um, yeah, and Wolf yeah, jumping off of yeah, yeah, and Wolf jumping off the little tiki hut in the corner. Like these guys love to brawl on the outside, so it's very cool to see them brawl each other on the outside. Uh, I mean, again, I can't say it enough. This one's personal, um, so it's and it's it's highly emotional. Even though it's it's kind of hard to, to to again pick a side because you kind of you, you think they both deserve to get their ass kicked, but maybe maybe one deserves it a bit more than the other. That's up for you to decide. Yeah, it, it is very personal. It's very emotional. Uh, every fist thrown in this match and every slam into a door or the floor or just somewhere that is <laughs> or some as- s'mores. Or uh, 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 galore, anything that rhymes. <laughs> Nothing that they hit each other with or throw each other into is even half as soft as a turnbuckle or a canvas mat, which aren't exactly that soft themselves. Sure. But just goes to show you, fighting on the outside is just that much more dangerous that is so much greater an element of surprise and unknown when you're outside of the ring. And that's what Wolf and Leon, they're really taking it to each other. However, they get back into the ring and they both are wielding chairs, steel chairs, and they run at each other like Superman and Doomsday. And they... <laughs> <laughs> and 
They simultaneously nail one another with these chairs. Double knockout. Oh, wow. Nice. So it is Superman and Doomsday. Yeah, double knockout. They both nail each other in the head. Um, it eventually is called a no contest, although there's a lot of booing. Um, it is called a no contest. Um, I got mildly concerned there for a minute as, um, uh, first of all, Leon appeared to be bleeding from the top of the head. Um, I, I saw uh, Rich Bokini at his utmost concerned actually flash the uh, the X sign. Oh, no. Uh, oh, no. By crossing, by crossing his forearms. Um, so X going to give it to you. <laughs> yes. Hopefully it's going to give CPR to you because... Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> X going to give it to you. And by that we mean uh, medical treatment uh, to both Leon Scott and Wolf Taylor. Yeah. Uh, exhibit is a... Is a an ambulance. Uh, what are they called? A paramedic. There you go. He's an ambulance. <laughs> he's an ambulance. He, he's gonna pimp. He's gonna pimp your ambulance. <laughs> like so, I heard you like ambulances, dog. <laughs> I got you one. Instantly arrested because you can't. You can't. You can't drive that if you're not supposed to. Uh, you, do you want red and white lights on your ambulance? I replaced them with green and purple. It's New Orleans Ambulance. <laughs> episode of Pimp My Ride. X gonna give it to you. <laughs> to you. Well, well, first of all, I don't think that's Exhibit. I think that's DMX. Who says X gonna give it to you? <laughs> but Man, also... I am, I am on a roll. You, what did I do last week? The la last, last, week, week la last week you confused uh, Rumpel Siltskin for Rip Van Winkle, uh, which I got some funny texts about that. Uh, but no, I believe DMX is the one who says X going to give it to you, not Exhibit. Exhibit uh, was from Pimp My Ride. Exhibit. I wanted to be Exhibit because that's more funny. DMX isn't funny. DMX is scary. Uh, no, that, that's fine. But Exhibit, he's the one from Pimp My Ride. You're right about that. But I, I was going to make the joke that he, he insists that he put a PlayStation 2 in this car, even though it's the year 2019 and there are PlayStation 4s. Uh, anyway. Uh, and whoever gets <laughs> it's like, hey. PlayStation 2 in the ride. Anywho, uh, so I mean, actually, so, exhibit, so exhibits pimping somebody's ambulance, but DMX is going to give CPR to you. Sure, sure, sure. That, that's what's going on. Do you need cardiopulmonary resuscitation? <laughs> I was just, that was DMX actually that was actually you. a single by DMX. Uh, you may not have heard it. Uh, so anyway, no, it sounds like double knockout here on the outside. So I guess it's a no contest. Uh, Rich throwing up the X. X got to give it to you. Yeah, and then Wolf's girlfriend hits the ring uh, because Wolf cannot wake up. Like they, they sort of managed to to resuscitate that the DMX. That is, uh, gets Leon Scott awake and out of the ring. He, he gets him awakened um, and <laughs> out of the ring. Yeah, I'm feeling myself tonight. Jesus Christ. Um, okay. And uh, but Wolf's girlfriend has to hit the ring. Uh, leaving Baghead at ringside, and instead, uh, like Wolf looks like he's dead. He looks like he, he's not a dead beat. He's dead meat. And, oh, uh, and, and you know, like when he finally seems to kind of come around, I think she's. I think his girlfriend splashes water on his face. Um, he he can barely stand. He can barely get up. However, his first order of business when he sort of finally is able to stand on his own two feet 
is to push Frankie Gastineau to the ground. No, not Frankie G. Even though Frankie had been trying to help him the entire time. So, I, mean, I guess there are no, there really are no countouts and fests. I don't recall a single countout. Um, I mean, that might have been a time where if you have two individuals like that who I said, you know, are partial to going to the outside, maybe have a countout. It could be a 20 count. You, you could do some New Japan rules right there. Um, but I think it's it's best because if you spend too much time on the outside, people are going to get hurt more and more. And we found out what happens if there if there are no rules as far as time spent outside of the ring. Uh, something for Tony Weinbitter to consider, I think, in the future, especially if there is a rematch between these two. And I feel like there will be because uh, no one's happy oh. if no one wins. So someone has to win. Oh, yeah. I, I see some sort of... I think we might finally see our first ever Fest Wrestling cage match. Oh. Uh, and I'm saying that on the authority of no one. Like, I, I have no inside information. That's just me speculating that they can't stay in the ring, apparently. So this might be, you, you know, you're looking for more rules. I'm sure Tony, I'm sure this is not the first time Tony Weinbender has been faced with this prospect. So I'm sure Tony's thinking himself, how do we keep guys like this? How do we keep matches like this contained? Well, a steel cage is a pretty good way. If they can just figure out how to build a steel cage, you know, in the confines, because it's, it's, I, I imagine it would be difficult because of the way that the bar is shaped, the, the natural, like, pillars that support the ceiling. Sure. You know, the, the ring has to fit inside that square. Then you've got the uh, the announced uh, the the big riser with the announced table on it. You have the entrance Paul? steps. Um, Paul Riser. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry, go ahead. Paul Riser was also there. Uh, Jane Fonda was also there, and um, <laughs> nevertheless, uh, I, I'm going to go ahead and call a steel cage. And it may not be at Christmas in July, um, but I think that's where that's eventually going to head. And I can't wait. I could watch. I mean, talk about hashtag fight forever. Um, I may not have it in me to cheer for Leon Scott, but I have it in me to get excited about this match happening over and over and over. Wolf Taylor and Leon Scott. It's a fight I like to see. Absolutely, and I hope hopefully no one's terribly injured from this uh, collision. No one got concussed, uh, and I hope to see them uh, back in the ring. And, and this time, Leon can't hold back. So, no winner there. We move on. Next up is the actual hardcore hunt match. Now, let me tell you who's in the match. Kylan King, CJ O'Doyle, Treehouse Lee, the abominable CPA, Super Beetle, who, by the way, he came out to, I'm blue and dabba dabba Right. Which was pretty excellent. Um, Teddy Stigma. No less than Teddy Stigma. No less than. Leva Bates, but no Casanova Valentine. Yeah. Conspicuous by his absence, the no ring deathmatch competitor, the man set to make his debut, uh, it would he would actually tweet earlier in the day that he was uh, apologized all apologies for not being at fest that night, that he would definitely see everyone. Um, at We Are Family in November. So we'll, we shall see. 
Um, we were expecting Casanova Valentine at this show. We don't get him, but we don't need him because this is one hell of a gathering of individuals. Um, C.J. O'Doyle, what a nasty, nasty dude. All-around jerk, C.J. O'Doyle. I love that he changed his Twitter name to all-around jerk. Yeah. He also put jerk across his ass. Like, so now <laughs> even his tights just say jerk. So on, on a night where one man's ass says deadbeat and the other one says jerk, you know you're in the right place. What kind of message are we sending to the kids, I wonder, but continue. We're sending that you should put negative descriptors of yourself on your butt. You should be honest about yourself and advertise, you know, what, what you're all about on your ass. Right. Like, you know, dead deadbeat, uh, jerk, uh, pink, juicy, right? These are all things that, that are on... Um, right. as, as, yes. Well, I mean, Effie's trunks say daddy. Daddy, sure. Be, you know what my trunks would say? Mine would say beautiful genius. Yes. <laughs> wow. Um. That is if I had the nerve to go out in my underwear in front of everyone. <laughs> which, which, for the record, I do not. Okay. Um, okay. All right. So much like last year's Hardcore Hunt, the match starts off with everybody seated in the ring, everybody blindfolded as the eggs are hidden. Well, it is a crash course match. It is a demolition derby. Uh, I'll just speed through some of the uh, highlights here. Uh, not because they don't deserve the credit, but because they do deserve the credit, and there are so many moments. Uh, <laughs> Super Beetle sort of um, not not so wonderfully falls off the top rope, uh, trying to deliver a, a nut shot to the abominable CPA. Uh, nevertheless, uh, <laughs> after I love everything uh, about that sentence. By the way, Darren, continue. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, nevertheless, the, uh, the Super Beetle is the first competitor to get an egg. Um, after many tries by uh, various other people, the CPA uh, gets uh, in an egg, and there is an accounting textbook inside of it. Um, now, what are the odds that that would even happen, and that that would be the one that the CPA <laughs> finds? That's brilliant. And uh, with everybody gathered on the outside of the ring, expecting the CPA to deliver some amazing indie wrestling uh, flip or hashtag dive, uh, CPA instead runs to the ropes and then throws the accounting textbook at everyone. <laughs> all down. Yes. Um, lest we forget, Leva on this night is dressed as Han Solo uh, with a stuffed Chewbacca doll. Um, R.I.P. Peter Mayhew, who played Chewbacca. Ah, yes, uh, yes. Leva was definitely celebrating um, Chewbacca and Peter Mayhew on this night. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, O'Doyle is behaving exactly like his tights say. Um, Super Beetle and Kylan King had one of the gnarliest spots of the night. Inside of one of the eggs are two... Um, Let's see. I, I believe they're called C-47s. Oh, wow. I thought you were going to say yes. I thought you were going to say yokes. Uh, you mean... Uh, 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 oh, you mean yeah. clothespins. Yes, but uh, but heavy-duty. Heavy-duty clothespins. Wow. You know what they're going to do with them? They're going to get, get some papers attached together and... No? Uh, do some laundry? No. No? no. Each one of them have one pair 
Um, which a pair is one. So why is it called a pair? Um, like <laughs> pair of pants, a pair of scissors. They're not pairs. They're single things. But anyway, so Super Beetle and Kylan King each have a pair as in one uh, of these clamps, these C-47s, whatever you want to call them. They each apply one set of clamps to one to each of one of their nipples. Oh, I knew that was gonna happen. Don't ask how I oh. thought that was gonna happen. <laughs> oh my god. And while they're standing there, each of them still holding the clamp that's holding each other's nipples, CJ comes off the ropes and jumps in the air and splashes their arms yanking both of the nipple clamps loose from both of them. Ow. Yeah. So in return, Super Beetle and Kylan then each put one of these clamps on C.J. O'Doyle's balls. No. No. I'm telling you, you can say what you want about Joey Ryan, but after we saw, uh, was it Kiara Hogan? who stapled C.J. O'Doyle in the dick last year. Sure. Um, There's some sort of uh, superpowers located in the groin of C.J. O'Doyle as well because uh, he takes a licking and keeps on ticking. You don't like me saying it that way? (laughs) No, no, no. That's accurate, but I'm thinking about all the things that he has endured. and uh, I, I would take a hit and then I would quit. Because I don't want any of that to happen to me. Yes. Well, don't think that there is no staple gun on this night. Uh, no, the staple gun is is there again. And it ends up in the hands of Leva Bates, who staples Abominable CPA's tie to his face. No, man. Uh, well, I, I guess it is called the Hardcore Hunt. So I guess, uh, I guess it lives up hardcore. to its name for sure. It most definitely did. Now, um, somebody opens one of the Easter eggs, and inside is a uh, a vinyl LP of The Doors, <laughs> as Jim Morrison. So I'm guessing that this was a signal because all of a sudden, Fest Wrestling crew comes out of the woodwork and brings like four doors. Oh, to, nice! To the ring. Um, at one point, there's a barbed wire duck involved. Um, and they're, they're, people are getting stuck with barbed wire, and that's not cool. The doors all start getting set up in really precarious places. At one point, uh, right in front of me, and I still have this video to post on Instagram for all of you to see, right in front of me, C.J. O'Doyle pile drives Super Beetle off of the ring steps through a door that's propped up on some chairs to that hardwood floor. Super Beetle never moves again. <laughs> He's still there now. The mat because there's an intermission after this match. Ten minutes after the match ends, Super Beetle is lying in the same place on the floor. Oh wow! Like I thought he was actually dead, but anyway, pulling a Wolf Taylor and Leon Scott. CJ isn't the only. He's not the only one who's going to. Or I, I guess I should say, it's not only offense for CJ and the Doors. Kai Lynn gets C.J. O'Doyle in a very precarious position where she's standing on the floor. C.J. O'Doyle's on the apron, and she gets between his legs and prepares to powerbomb him off the apron 
through a propped up door onto the hardwood floor, but she can't do it because he has a pretty firm grip on the top rope. She keeps trying, she keeps trying, and finally, with a little bit of help, a nudge from Leva Bates, uh, CJ's hands are knocked loose from the rope, and he is powerbombed off the apron by Kylan King through the door to the floor, and wow, like, CJ can dish it out, but that dude can take it. That is a tough dude. I mean, I think he's from Philadelphia, and, you know, they fancy themselves tough guys anyway, but uh, I'm not going to take anything away from CJ O'Doyle. He, he's a pretty gnarly dude. Now, uh, at this point, Teddy Stigma, dear friend of the show, um, who collectively he and I let everyone at eight seconds know that his knee was fully healed. And uh, Teddy ends up in the ring, across the ring, from Treehouse Lee. And at one point, power slams Treehouse through a table in the ring. Teddy then gets his own Easter egg. It's full of bottle caps. Mm, how fitting. Yeah. So Teddy ends up getting Treehouse Lee and what, I, I don't know what to call this move. It starts off looking like a torture rack. Then it becomes more of like a fireman's carry um, slash Death Valley driver. Uh, nevertheless, it's Teddy Stigma uh, stretching Treehouse Lee and then dumping him like his like face down on this giant pile of bottle caps. And when you do that, you know what follows? A one, a two, a three. Face down too, man. Yeah. Teddy Stigma for the win. Teddy Stigma, a friend of the show, wins the hardcore hunt, but. Uh... You uh, you, when you called me on the road from Gainesville, you you said a lot of good things about Treehouse Lee, and I was actually really curious about that because I've heard a lot of good things about Treehouse. I've read a lot of things about him on Twitter. Uh, we met him. We had the the great fortune of meeting him at We Are Family last year. Um, so I was actually really curious to see how he performed in this match. Well, he is a welcome addition to Fest Wrestling. Let me say that. Let me start with that. Yeah, I may. I've said so much about him lately that maybe I just felt like I'd already said a lot here live on the air tonight. Let me just say right now, though, in case I have not made it clear, this dude is where it's at. He is he is my new fashion icon. He is my new style icon. This dude <laughs> is smooth as silk. He's like butter. He is the cold side of the pillow. Um very, very cool with his crown of flowers and his dyed beard. The entrance music is absolutely killer. It brings down the house. He's ride a, He rode a bicycle out, as we learned from Teddy Stigma. His most excellent ring attire, handmade. And then guess what? That sounds like a whole lot of frou-frou. That sounds like a whole lot of gaga. That sounds like a whole lot of gimmick. And when you bring a lot of Gaga, you better bring a lot of ass-kicking. And Treehouse Lee does that as well. With Treehouse Lee in the ring against Teddy Stigma, and I, I, told, you know, I basically put over Teddy because he is such a long-term friend of the show, and he does eventually dismantle Treehouse Lee. That's not to say that he was uh, in any way a, that, uh, a ragdoll for Teddy Stigma. At any point, Treehouse Lee could have turned the tide on Teddy Stigma. And in fact, he does a couple of times. Teddy did not make quick work of Treehouse Lee. Treehouse is in the ring, and he is giving it all he's got. At one point, he takes the that damn pack of skewers 
and puts them in the top of Teddy's head. That picture I've seen from many different angles, yes. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And the look. Here's the deal. When Treehouse is coming to the ring, there he is flashing the pearly whites, and he is, you know, he's all smiles. He's got a high five or a fist bump for everybody in the crowd who's into his shit, which is everybody. Sure. All of a sudden, that smile turned into a wicked-ass grin. When he knocked those skewers into Teddy's skull, he backed away from him. He, he kind of he kind of pulled back almost in slow motion and, like, moving his shoulders back. He looked like a fucking puma or something. Like, <laughs> it was scary, dude. All of a sudden, Treehouse Lee looked like some scary-ass jungle cat who was about to pounce on Teddy's stigma and rip his guts out. And... Luckily for Teddy, he was able to recover and put Treehouse Lee down for the count. But uh, this match was very nearly a victory for Treehouse. Well, all due respect to all the five competitors involved in this match, it sounds like it lived up to its title. A very hardcore hunt indeed. Uh, but very happy, very proud of our hashtag beloved friend of the show, no less than Teddy Sigma, for winning uh, this match. No less, no less than. So the intermission occurs, and Tony Weinbender eventually himself has to come over and try to revive Super Beetle, and he does. We come back from intermission, and we've got three matches left, two tag matches, and our Fest Wrestling World Championship main event. So we come back, and the Metro Brothers, making their return to Fest Wrestling in Gainesville, will take on the new team, new as of tonight, Jamie Senegal and Vandal. Now... I'm going to say this. Jamie's offense is very, very, very crisp. Jamie Senegal looks like a 25-year veteran in the ring. Whether Jamie is throwing some sort of like roundhouse spin kick uh, or whether uh, it's some sort of punch combo or even some sort of grappling hold, uh, Jamie's offense is incredibly crisp. Now, Vandal, trying out his new look, not only uh, is received very well by the Fest family, but Jamie and Vandal seem to work really well together. Well, um, I guess, much like birds of a feather flock together, I mentioned that earlier, opposites attract as well. I mean, these two are literally that cat and Paula Abdul in that video because they are two opposite people. Um, yeah, so I, I can see where it might actually work. Yeah, I love Jamie Senegal and Vandal. Don't misunderstand me. But I would give anything to see the Metro Brothers fight Paula Abdul and an animated cat. <laughs> Tony, book that match. Uh, the Metros are very, very natural heels. Wow, they are... Um... Accompanied to the ring by S.E. Hinton, the Metro yeah. Brothers. They, they truly are like they are natural born heels, but uh, I'll leave I'll leave you and our hashtag dear listeners uh, to to figure out this next bit yourself. I made a note and uh, I made a note to myself to remember about this match. I said <laughs> the metros are fucking kayfabe edgy. Now hmm. I don't know why I've used the word kayfabe there, um, but. Like I said, I'm going to leave it to, up to all of you to figure that out. But I will say, natural born heels, these dudes are not nice. 
Uh, the Metros fly high in the match. Um, I actually watched this match from afar. I was uh, leaning up against the bar um, so I could see it from a distance. Probably the furthest distance I've ever been away from the ring at a fest wrestling show. And the high spots are somehow seem higher from further away. And uh, with that in mind, the Metros were really impressive, like in terms of their high-flying ability. Um, At one point, they go for, I guess, what would have been uh, maybe a doomsday device. Uh, But Jamie hangs up one of the Metro brothers while Vandal rolls up the other one for the win. Uh, So congratulations to Jamie Senegal and Vandal. Fabulous fitness who have been targeted by the Metro brothers for quite some time all of a sudden hit the ring. And they fight the Metros right out of the building <laughs> and down the street. Um, and I know a number of people went outside to follow the fight, and I don't believe any of them ever returned. <laughs> so they, they may still be fighting right this minute. They're somewhere out on the interstate battling it out. You know, the Silver There's Street's fighting. Somewhere <laughs> out there. The song is about those two tag teams, yes. You know Fivel uh, from American Tale is the only Fivel I've ever heard of? Really? Uh, oh, I, your life just lousy with Fivels? No, but my life is lousy with Fivels, Darren. <laughs> What's your life like? Mine's is lousy with Fivels. <laughs> Thank you, Beanie Siegel. Um, in our penultimate match of the evening... It is a championship match. It's the Fest Wrestling Tag Team Championship match. The Ugly Ducklings, Rob Kiljoy and Lance Lude, as always accompanied by their coach, Coach Mikey, and they take on grit, led to the ring, and led in all aspects of their lives and career by the Tommy Thomas. Um, This one's pretty cut and dry. I don't have a lot to say. Grit takes out Lance Lude immediately. And then Killjoy is simply manhandled by the pair of Grit for the duration of the match. Um, I mean, Killjoy gets a little bit of a comeback. Um, And then surprisingly, much to my surprise, Coach Mikey jumps up on the apron and gets the hot tag, going in and body slamming both members of Grit. Holy shit! Coach Mikey does this. And then, once body slamming both of them, he tries to double pin them, which, of course, only gets a one count as the two of them <laughs> realize that, yeah, they're fighting Coach Mikey. Uh, man, I mean, Coach Mikey's a big boy, but Grits, those are bigger boys. Well, that that's the thing. And, I mean, you know, I don't really know about Coach Mikey's wrestling past. He's got some wrestling Coach, past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know Coach Mikey is one thing. A coach. Sure, sure. And, and to see him get in the ring, like, I mean, God, I know he's watched a lot of wrestling matches from very close. Uh, and I know that he's been forced to uh, get in there and mix things up from time to time with the likes of shit-talking Jim Sherbert. Hashtag, where's Jim Sherbert? <laughs> the Tommy Thomas. Uh, and other assorted characters. But really wrestling, waiting for a tag, entering between the middle and the top rope, going for a body slam, like great technique, immense strength. I was proud of Coach Mikey. Um, It was really cool. Meanwhile, Rob Killjoy 
is like unlike Lance Lude, who's just down for the, who's just out. He's just out of it. He's gone. What uh, what is with all these wrestlers being incapacitated on this night? So like Killjoy is pretty much demolished anyway, but he's on the receiving end of two double choke slam powerbomb combinations. Jesus. And still manages to kick out. <laughs> oh man. That that fighting spirit, the ducks, Lance Lute and Killjoy, they they've always had that 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 spirit, that need to win, that can do attitude. However, and this is not a short match, but it's not a long match. This is the very definition of grit making short work of their opponent. Because after two double choke slam power bombs, TJ Boss climbs to the top rope, and just like I said, exactly like I said on our preview show last week, TJ Boss drops that swanton on Rob Killjoy for the three count. Man. And new Fest Wrestling Tag Team Champions, Grit. Wow. And and the Tommy Thomas, he gets on the microphone and he lets us all know, this is what we promised. It's not a gimmick. It's not a joke. It's not self-promotion. It's simply a reality. Grit is here. And they're here to stay, and they have the they have the gold to prove it. They're now the top guys in that tag division, and who could possibly climb that mountain and knock them off? Well, I've been saying this for a while. I mean, it started with their 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 entrance into Fest Wrestling, where they started just kicking ass and taking names. Then they came along and won the Love Cup, and now here they are with the Fest Wrestling Tag Team Championship belts. I mean, these guys have been. Something to be worried about if you're a tag team in Fest Wrestling, or I guess in indie wrestling in general, because they're not just kicking ass at Fest. Um, but and I told you, and it's old rich, you know, it's 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 a it's a likelihood, you know, and now it's a reality. Uh, I'm not uh, I'm not surprised, but I am disappointed because I love my ducks. You know that, Darren. All of our hashtag your listeners know that. The ducks know that. Lance, you know that. Rob, you know that. Coach, you know that. Um, so I don't, hopefully there's a rematch and you guys can, can, uh, rally and, uh, <laughs> coach can think up some new plays because man, grit is some opposition. And again, let that be a lesson to the ducks and all the tag teams that come for that fest wrestling championship. You know, we said, uh, that the, the Dougley ducklings offense sometimes is too much offense. Uh, and that on this night, they would need too much offense. I think if the Ducks ever get a rematch, the coach, Mikey, might need to do some game planning on some defense. Oh, uh, the defense. Because that's what Lance Lude needed was some defense, and he didn't have it. And he, and he paid the ultimate price for it. <laughs> the ultimate price. Sure. Or maybe a helmet. Uh, some knight's armor might also help out. Uh, tranquilizer darts also would be nice to use against... Uh, Sherman Tank. Sure, sure. Men Tank, yes. Okay. And now there is but one more match on the evening. The Hardcore Hunt 2 main event as the Fest Wrestling World Champion, Saeed Al-Sabah, defends his title against former champion Effie, the golden boy of Grabass, the feminist icon, and that Fest Wrestling darling. Yes, that is right. Hashtag kill Effie. 
Effie goes to work. Effie starts out uh, confident as always, strutting to the ring, absorbing all of the love. He is daddy. He is uh, the man who brought the groceries. Like everybody's there. Everybody's there for Effie. It's like I said, they're kind of there for Saif, but they're really there for Effie. Uh, they can cheer for Saif, and they're going to cheer a little bit louder for Effie. And, and Effie knows that. He's feeding off of it. Um, in, in, in some ways, there's uh, an odd calmness to Effie. I mean, he's still strutting his stuff. He's still wiggling the goods. He's still got daddy on his ass. you know. And, and he drops back, and he pulls off his spiked coat. And he's there, you know, bowing right before Charles Volkert. Sweet Charles. Sweet Charles. Uh, the ring announcer for Fest Wrestling. And yet there was a certain, like, solemn tone to Effie. He, he, he was doing a lot of body language, but he wasn't running his mouth very much. Also, all by himself, you know, no manager, um, no hype man, no belt. Um, no friends. Uh, now, who needs friends when you have 300 family members cheering you on at eight seconds? Nevertheless, it just seemed a little odd uh, when Effie took what was seemed to be like a quiet approach to a sort of also subdued fighting approach. As he gets Saeed down on the canvas, Effie's working the shit out of Saeed's left arm. Uh, a very scientific start to this match. It's slow. It's deliberately paced. Like I said, it, it's scientific all around. Well, I think Effie knows that he needs to neutralize Saeed's uh, off-the-top rope game immediately because once Saeed gets a, a good head start, you know he's doing flips all over the place, and it's kind of hard to, to keep it to, to kind of keep uh, keep control of him. So, I mean, it's smart of Effie to, to make it a ground game. But, I mean, I'm sure he's finding out here Saeed also has a ground game as well. So, it's it's not it's not that easy to just, you know... You you might take one weapon out of Saeed's arsenal, but he's got, he's got more. Well, sure, and they both have more. And that's what I think is impressive about this match. I don't know that it was the match everyone was anticipating. Um, I don't think everybody expected a lot of... Uh, I don't think anybody expected a slobber knocker. Don't get me wrong. I don't think usually Slobberknocker comes with a, a great deal of anger and animosity, and that just doesn't exist between Effie and Saeed. So uh, I don't know that anybody was expecting that, like a knockdown, drag out, blood soaked, you know, fist fight. But I think people were a little surprised by by uh, the, the 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 tone and the tempo of this match. Um, doesn't mean it wasn't entertaining. Doesn't mean they didn't put on a hell of a, a, a fight. Uh, they did, but it was just, like I said, again, it was scientific. It was slow. It was deliberate. Um, don't forget that this is a rematch long in the making. Sure. This is, this is a match that exists because Effie feels not by Saeed necessarily, but by fate, by destiny, Effie was robbed of the title. He believes belongs to him and, and sort of, permanently belongs to him. Now, that doesn't make sense. Fighting organizations have championships that are supposed to change hands, and they do. But like I said last week, Effie sort of finds himself in a position to be the uncrowned king of Fest Wrestling. That rings true on this night as well. 
Um, so this is a match that without Jason Cade around, without Serpentico or Diamante around, this is just Effie and Saif. And they are fighting each other. They are wrestling each other. It is an honorable match. It is a hard-fought match. And eventually, the scientific wrestling does give way. The, the, the levy breaks, and Saif just bursts out suddenly with uh, a flurry of high-impact moves. Well, sure. I mean, you can, you can only keep Saif down for so long before he's going to break free and uh, do what he does best, which is take to the sky. Um, yeah, I mean, these two, as you said, you kind of hinted at this already, uh, or more, but all but said it, these two are no strangers to each other, uh, whether it's a singles match or, you know, a fatal four-way match, uh, you know, or even cooperating together, uh, in some degree against the likes of Jason Cade or Serpentico. Um, so it's, they, these two know each other very well. They're going to try and maybe neutralize their opponent when they know that, like, you know, like, obviously, Saeed has got the flying high game. Uh, Effie's got a lot of ground game, like a lot of ground game. Um, so if they can kind of meet so, in the middle, it's kind of anyone's anyone's ball game. So really, they're, they're, they're trying to exploit each other's weaknesses. Absolutely. Sure, sure, sure. But the, one of the ways you do that is by really defying expectations. Uh, and that's why when Effie breaks out with a suicide dive through the ropes onto Saif, that was new to me. But sure, that's probably actually that's Effie's greatest strength. I think is his adaptability. Uh, you can put him in any kind of match; he's going to adapt to it. You can have him fight anyone else in their style; he's going to adapt to it. So I mean, I think Effie's going to pull out a surprise here and there. And to fight someone like Saif Al Sabah, you're going to have to because not only is he quick. He's also very strong, and he can think on his feet very fast as well and, and hit you with something that you've never even heard of, something that's not on N64, WWF No Mercy, Creative Player. <laughs> hey, hashtag not a reverse burning hammer. There you go, exactly. But the sad truth is, Darren, Saeed knows this, Effie knows this, we know this. There can be only one Fest Wrestling Champion. And it was very nearly Effie again because Effie gets Saeed into the corner and hits a Frankensteiner off of the top rope. Oh, man. That was a painful watch. by a powerbomb. Oh, man. But when Effie goes for the pen, when Effie goes for what ultimately ends up being only a near fall, Saeed is able to reverse it into a pen for the win. Wow. Wow. Rolled him up. And yeah. So what looked like was going to be a tried and true, uh, uninterrupted comeback from Effie turns into a last second reversal of fortune for Saeed. And he is able to hang on to the Fest Wrestling Championship. And that's that. That that's is the end of Hardcore Hunt 2. And I was, oh, I was exhausted. And that's, I mean, that's not an ending you can be unhappy with either. I mean, Saif is a great champion. The only problem with Saif being champion is it's not FBS champion, I guess. But, again, you take nothing away from Saif. Tremendous athlete. Great wrestler. Heck of a nice guy. Uh, and so, I, I, I'm, uh, you know, my, my heart aches for Effie, but at the same time, my heart also beams with pride for Saif. So, it's, it, it's, it's a rock and a hard place on that one. But... 
Again, you know who wins, Darren? The fans in Gainesville at eight seconds. Oh, that was me. I was among those fans. Uh, I was joined by, like I said, the Fest family, the Fest faithful, all of our good friends, friends of the show. Our friend Jameson Bennett was in tow. Uh, We had uh, quite a lot of friends. um, And what an atmosphere. We love Fest wrestling. And it never disappoints. It absolutely never disappoints. It is a lot of fun, folks. Uh, next time they come around, which will be in July, uh, which is when Christmas is, according to Tony Weinbender, uh, <laughs> do try to make your way down to Gainesville for Fest Wrestling. Uh, you will not be disappointed. No, you absolutely will not be disappointed. We want to see you there. And at Christmas in July, uh, that's the next opportunity. Come, come, come see us and say hello. Yes, indeed. That was Darren's road report from Gainesville, Florida, for Fest Rust and the Hardcore Hunt 2. We appreciate you, Darren. I'm glad you had a good time. Were you at Fest Wrestling? Are you going to listen to Darren on the Raven podcast? Let us know. There are a lot of ways you can let us know. Find us on Twitter at Refn Show Podcast. That's R-E-F-N-S-H-O-W-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Find us on Facebook, like, and share. We would appreciate that. Send us a Gmail if you want. Show at gmail.com, T-H-E-W-H-O-L-E-R-E-F-N-S-H-O-W at gmail.com, or you can find us on Instagram at the whole Reffin Show, T-H-E-W-H-O-L-E-R-E-F-N-S-H-O-W. The whole Reffin Show, we continue to grow, we continue to titillate with wonderful photographs from the wide world of wrestling. Come join us on there, and uh, come come join us on the Raven Effect as well. Oh, that's enough shilling for that, Darren. You still work for me, goddammit. You understand me? Uh, you don't work for me. We, we work together. We're, we're, we're co-host buddies. Uh, but don't don't Gwen Stefani me, okay? Don't you Gwen This is not no doubt. Don't Gwen Stefani me, Darren. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a beautiful genius. I am a pretty man. But I am not. I am no Gwen Stefani, because she is ageless. <laughs> Fair enough. So no, all no. I'm saying is I couldn't pull a Gwen Stefani even if I wanted to. All right. Well, I got my eye on you there. I'm not walking into spider webs here. Uh, and that is our show, folks. We appreciate you for joining us here on the whole Refn Show, the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. Until next week, my name is Perry Smith. And don't speak. I mean, excuse me, mister. Uh, I am (laughs) the incredible badass that is Darren Beasley. And we're going to see you next time, folks. See you when we see you. See you. Bye-bye. Let it pop, don't let it go. It's gonna give it to you. Uh, it's gonna give it to you.